Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP. Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP, Town Hall. Hello, welcome to episode 60 of the PHP Town Hall. We've got uh, myself, Ben Edmonds, here with Matthew Trask. Hello. <laughs> and our uh, guest this episode, Peggy Fisher. And Hello. Ryan, I should have figured out how to say the last <laughs> before I started this. Uh, it's Tablada. <laughs> Tablada? Is that it? Yeah. All right, cool. I think I was on like a really early town hall with you and Phil. We were probably drunk. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> uh, was that one of the Laravel ones, man? Oh, super long. Yeah. Yeah. It's like literally. Uh, like, so we'll start with you, Ryan. Right? So uh, what are you up to? I guess a little bit about your background. You used to be a Laravel guy, right? And now you're yeah. not so much. Yeah, so I, I started out um, kind of in small agency stuff doing a um, little bit of PHP, or not a little bit, a lot of it, a lot of PHP, did some books on, uh, wrote some books on Laravel and uh, CodeIgniter in the early days, and then um, worked at a consultancy doing kind of mixed, mixed stuff and got into Ember.js and Backbone and early React. Um, then taught for a uh, coding bootcamp, which is probably why I'm here, uh, called the Iron Yard here in Nashville for about two years, um, teaching the front end class. And then now um, I work at a consultancy called Prototypal, and we do Ember, uh, we do some consulting stuff. We have uh, some Embers, Ember specialists, but we also do just web development and product development in general. And then um, we have embercast.com where we teach people how to be full stack developers, including Ember.js, kind of as our front end pick. But we've got stuff in uh, C Sharp, uh, Node, Ruby, and JavaScript with PHP, hopefully to come. Nice. Very cool. Okay. And uh, you're in Nashville. Are you from yeah. Nashville? Originally from Atlanta. Oh, okay. So, so pretty similar to Matt. Yeah. Did you know each other in Atlanta? Not unless we figure out some weird connection before, but I think we, we used to live like close to each other. Yeah, oddly enough, I think like we graduated high school was like down the road close, or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Huh. Small world. Uh, Peggy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, thank you. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on tonight. This is awesome. This is really fun. Um, I'll stick to just the programming part of my career. So I uh, started as a COBOL developer. So it kind of gives you an idea of how long I've been doing this stuff. Um, but worked in industry for many years, then switched over to teaching. Always wanted to teach. I uh, taught uh, at a local high school for a while, and I taught uh, C++, C Sharp, uh, Java, and then I went to Penn State. Uh, I was a Penn State instructor for a few years. Uh, actually, I still am part-time. Uh, and then I started working for lynda.com. 
And I was an author for Lynda.com and eventually became full-time. And LinkedIn purchased Linda. So now it's all kind of one big happy family. And so I switched from the author role to a content manager. Uh, so as an author, I did a lot of courses. There's about 25 courses in the library uh, that I have. And anything from, I actually have a COBOL course. So if you really want to learn COBOL, feel free. All the way up to Scala. Um, I really am a firm believer that if you know one programming language, you can use your skills to then learn another one by learning the syntax and understanding how things work. Um, so I've kind of been self-taught in a lot of these. And um, so now I'm a content manager for LinkedIn.com. For yeah, for LinkedIn, and so I look for <laughs> I look for people, programmers, developers that would like to author content in our library. Um, PHP is one of the languages that is still doing really well in a library. A lot of people want to learn it, and I'm really excited to be part of this uh, podcast. Awesome! Uh, I, I want to hear about your non-programming related. Um, <laughs> yeah. career, well. sure? <laughs> How much time do you have? Oh, and I'm writing a book on Java, by the way. Oh, <laughs> I heard awesome. Brian say that. Wow. So. <laughs> do you still like use COBOL like often? Or what's, uh... No, I don't, but um, there's still a big demand for it because there's still a lot of companies, like big insurance companies. That's where mm -hmm. I used to work. And they have these legacy systems that uh, either need to be maintained or people need to uh, transfer over to a newer language. And so there's still a need for it. Um, you know, the COBOL generation is retiring. <laughs> so, so we're really starting to uh, look for people because there's not that many people out there. Uh, it's, it's a very wordy language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. it's like nasa is still looking for like fortran developers for yeah. like the satellites and everything well that was one of the languages i took in college <laughs> fortran pascal uh oh, wow. cobol <laughs> yeah. yeah i taught myself cics you know oh, wow. uh, yeah <laughs> those were the days <laughs> i don't know if i was alive for those days honestly I'm probably not <laughs> <sighs> but it was good. It was good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and you're in uh, Pennsylvania? Central Pennsylvania, yeah. Right outside of Penn State University, about a half hour from there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you work remote. Ryan, do you work in an office or remote? Uh, so I'm remote as well. So our company is spread out around the U.S. Okay. Sweet. And Matt's in an office and I'm remote. So we're, you're outnumbered for once, Matt. <laughs> Hey, but you know what? Like three out of the four of us are short that I know of. So, yeah, it's nice, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, for a while, like all the people I hired, just like three in a row, were all like not much taller than me, and they're like, "Hold on, is this like uh, is this like a thing? Yeah, you feel three people?" The job requirement must be under five four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, uh, it's going to be something. <laughs> so, the idea behind the episode is to discuss education in the community, boot camps, and uh, how they relate, things like that. So, we want to kind of walk through what are some resources you can use for learning, not just PHP, but development in general. Um, and then, you know, what, what do those look like in modern kind of times, right? So I guess let's start off with, I'm going to jump down a couple and kind of rearrange this. Let's, let's start off with modern development learning resources. So what's out there for people that either want to learn how to code for the first time, or maybe you want to pick up a different language? Um, this is to both you, Ryan, and Peggy. What do you yeah. recommend? Um, so I kind of 
have a little bit of a bias towards the front end since that's what I was doing um, at Iron Yard and kind of right before Iron Yard. Um, so Free Code Camp is a resource that I found students were either already aware of or I would kind of point them to some of the basic stuff at Free Code Camp, um, which is good. And, and we'll get into some of the the kind of maybe opinions of some of these these resources later on, but um, like Free Code Camp and CodeSchool.org or CodeSchool.com, I think it is, um, were resources that we went to really early on. Um, usually, we were pointing people there because they had free trials, and especially if we were trying to have people go to a code school, which could be thousands to tens of thousands plus dollars. Um, it was a really hard ask, even to ask them to do like a month of like Team Treehouse, uh, which is another resource that we pointed people towards a lot. And then um, beyond that, for HTML and CSS stuff, I love uh, Mozilla Developer Network has a ton of documentation. I know I think that there's even writers here in Nashville for it on the content team. Um, but that's just great um, to get right from the source. But also it's pretty re readable even for like junior and beginning developers. Um, and in the PHP world, I always pointed to people to uh, Dale Reese's, what is it, code? I can't remember which one's the Laravel book versus the PHP, just like basics. I think it's yeah. yeah, I think yeah. that's it. That's what I used to point students always to when they were like, I know JavaScript, but I need to learn some PHP. It was PHP pandas was the first thing that I would point them to. Cool. Thanks, Ryan. Um, I guess my bias would obviously be LinkedIn Learning because I work for LinkedIn. Um, but I'll just give you so from a personal perspective, whenever I want to learn something, um, I usually attack it twofold. So the first thing I'll do is get a couple books. I actually like physical books. I like the old school physical books, um, but I'll get some of those. And then, um, but LinkedIn Learning does have um, some courses on PHP, you know, to get started learning PHP, PHP essential training. Um, and one of the things, I don't know if you guys, you probably don't know this because uh, it's fairly new and we're just launching it, is that we are looking at doing a la carte. So that if you don't want a full membership to the entire library, we're going to start to offer some key courses. So that might be a way to, you know, if I only want to take just the C PHP series, you can do that. Um, it's not available quite yet for every language, but it's something to keep in mind. Um, and a lot of your colleges will have access to the LinkedIn learning slash lynda.com library. Um, Remember, Penn State, every student, every professor, anybody with a Penn State ID can log on for free. And there is a, a lot of uh, secondary schools that have that. So, so I think that's kind of where I would go. That's kind of historically what I've done. So, so that's really cool. One question I have, uh, Peggy, for the LinkedIn stuff. Um, so I, I followed that path. Like I'm pretty much self-taught and everything I've learned up to this point. Um, and with like Treehouse, they have like uh, quizzes and kind of stuff like that after certain courses. Is that something like LinkedIn? Is there like some sort of like showable uh, completion of the course that like someone getting started, you know, because like when someone's getting started, they really want to have some sort of like proof that they did it. Sure. Um, Sure. Yeah, like, is there anything on like the LinkedIn? Yeah, we, we started adding learning paths and we've gotten pretty far with them. So there's, a, I believe, a learning PHP learning 
path. And um, when you complete all the courses, you get a certificate saying that you completed that learning path. Um, we are looking into more um, certificates as well. And we have been adding a lot of quizzes to each of our courses, you know, that you can just kind of take for your own knowledge. But then also, um, we are looking at certifications in different areas. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you. I think that's a great motivator, too, mm -hmm. to actually complete through a learning path because you want to get to that certificate. And, yeah. yeah. I was, I was so, piece of paper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so are, are you saying, and you both might have different answers to this because you come from mm -hmm. slightly different backgrounds. Do you see people coming into this from mostly other careers or people coming straight into these resources? Because this isn't necessarily the traditional path you would come into as computer science. Right. From, right? You'd come in from college or whatever. So um, maybe they did that first and then they come to this. So how, how does that work, do you think? Now? Ryan, do you want to go first? Or? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, for me, almost everyone I encountered, whether it's mentoring in the Nashville community um, at boot camps or uh, when I was at Iron Yard, almost everybody was... Um, career switchers or career changers. Um, I was just like on LinkedIn earlier today looking at uh, some some previous uh, students. And like I have a student that was in Arkansas and he was a, a uh, post office worker before going to going to Iron Yard is now is like second year as a lead and now is like a uh, senior developer at the company that he's at, um, which is kind of crazy and awesome to see like uh, the growth there and like helping to like lead and grow and nurture now developers under him. Um, but most everybody was, co was college or was career changers or career switchers. Um, I did have like a few students that came straight out of um, either CS or um, even high school or like an, an associates program. And some of them were either CS majors and um, finished it. Some of them were CS majors, didn't get uh, quite what they were wanting out of the, the classes. And then we're like, what can I do at a code school? You know, for half a, you know, <laughs> half a semester worth of tuition, let's give this a shot. Um, and then, uh, and then some of the, co the college, uh, either changers or fresh out of college were mostly like not CS majors at all. They were like, an English major was looking for jobs and wanted to say like, okay, let's try coding because I like websites and I like, uh, I like tech. Let's see what this is. Cool. Yeah, I think I, I've experienced a lot of the same, Ryan. I, I totally agree. I think a lot of it is career changers. Um, I don't I don't think PHP is a language people pick up for like a first programming language. Um, usually, uh, I think maybe they have like some JavaScript or they've played around with some of those uh, languages first. I, I always use my son as my, my guiding rod, you know, my divining rod. He's 16 and um, so he's a, he's a junior in high school. And so he's right now taking like AP PCS at, uh, principles at the school and they're using JavaScript. Um, I know for the other course they offer, they do Java, but um, it's just interesting. So I think that, um, like I said, I think a lot of times it's people that um, 
are maybe looking to switch, maybe you want to find out if this is something that I can do. And that's why they want to just try it out. Like maybe they don't want to make that full commitment into signing up for, like you said, a four-year degree or don't want to um, make the full commitment into programming, but they'll take a look at this and be able to test it out and see if it's something that they're interested in. Um, so I'm curious too, to hear from you guys um, as far as the people that want to learn PHP, what kind of uh, applications or products do you think they want to build? You know, Ryan, you you mentioned that uh, um, you you like the front end stuff, but yeah. yeah. So, what kind of things do you think people use PHP for the most? Um, for I know for me, so I'm well, I'm now I guess I'm I'm old hat instead of being a, a young gun in this. I keep trying to remember when I started, but. I'm not, I'm not that old, but I'm in like front end and even in PHP technologies, I'm like an old geezer. I've got an app that's over five years old that I've still maintained. So over five years old, that's like a drop in the bucket. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm hey, sorry. World, that's like, <laughs> that's so funny. That's like ancient. Um, in the JavaScript world, that's like, how is this oh, not dead? Um, how does this still work? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Voyager Two just left the uh, galaxy right. again. <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's a uh, yeah. There's all that. Like probably like maybe some C and mostly like assembly. Um, but for me, like PHP, I I started as a CS minor and like had a lot of CS and Java training. Um, got really sick of what I was not able to do in very little code. Um, so PHP for me was like this cool balance of where I can have organization and classes and stuff, but then also go absolutely freaking wild when I needed to. Um, so for me, it was kind of like front endy, and then I got more into UI and interactions and talking with the user that brought me more towards JavaScript. Um, but I don't know, like that was 2010. <laughs> so almost in like getting close to 10 years now. Um, so like, I don't know what brings people into PHP nowadays. Maybe it's like, it's a job. I know WordPress and like CMSs are still a big thing of like why they know PHP or their hosting provider. Yeah, like, I know like, a lot of people that can start HostGator or whatever just has like PHP. Yeah, they started with WordPress or some yeah. CMS thing and then they, you know, were kind of intrigued and moved on from that to do full apps. And I think the thing that draws people into PHP still is that like everything that's valid HTML is valid PHP until you, until you open up PHP tags and then like need to start doing different stuff. Um, so I think that's still like a notable thing for beginners. I don't know with the resources that are out there today, how much that's still like valid for people continuing to be in it. But I think the idea of like being able to throw up their page and, oh, I need the copyright year to be this year all the time. Like, <laughs> put in the PHP tag. That's the way, like, I did my very first PHP tag. Like, That's awesome. <laughs> long before college. Yeah. <laughs> so That's great. I mean, for me, like, lately it's been a lot of, like, API stuff, which I can do really fast in PHP, but, you know, like, the whole like the way I got introduced to PHP wasn't even WordPress. It was I was doing Team Treehouse and we were building a cart in like a store and we did it in like JavaScript. And the very next video is like, "Hey, we're gonna do like PHP," and I was like, "PH what?" <laughs> yeah. You know? And so like, um, 
like I, they were like, okay, we're gonna put Mamp on and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I have no idea what I'm even doing with this right. Like I, I had no idea, and then you know, I started figuring out like what you could do with it. Um, you know, nowadays I think you know people still come to PHP just because it's an easy language to get started with. Um, mm-hmm. Very little uh, barrier to entry uh, in terms of like what you need to get going. All you need is a local server and a text editor with you know an opening PHP tag, and you can go wild. You know, like. With Python, you know, you have like all the virtual ends, the wrappers, and all that kind of stuff. With you know Ruby, you have to get your your Ruby environment all set up. Uh, with PHP, it's it's as simple as downloading WAMP or MAMP, turning it on, and uh, just going to whatever local host is, and you're good to go. You know, but I do think WordPress has a lot to do with it. Um, sending you know people get started, they want a blog, and they're like, oh, WordPress, and then they want to like figure out how to mess with the theme, and that requires some PHP knowledge, and so they mm-hmm. they kind of just fall down the rabbit hole until they end up actually needing to learn more and more that way. Yeah, I think compatibility helps with that a lot too, right? Because like, you might use a four-year-old tutorial or whatever, but it still probably works. Whereas like in Ruby, even now, right? Like I'll go try to figure out something and like the package just doesn't work in my version. Yep. So it's, um, yeah. I think that's a real like advantage we have in PHP that we don't recognize much. Yeah, especially with JavaScript too, you know, like, Everyone says JavaScript's so easy to, to start with, and yeah, you don't need a, a server or anything, but I mean, the language changes so fast, and so many different things happen, you know, like, today React is the cool framework, you know, in a year, who knows what <laughs> possible, you know, I mean, you know, a Vue.js could take over the world, I don't know, <laughs> you know, because um, I mean, like, it wasn't even a year ago or two years ago that, like, Angular was the top of the JavaScript world, and now right. we, I, I don't even know what Angular is doing. You know, everyone's smitten <laughs> by React, and now, you know, next year it'll be something different and all this kind of stuff. You know, like PHP, you know, even though everyone loves the hate on PHP for its past insecurities and security holes, you know, like it's still a, you know, I mean, pretty much everything that you try to do today, you could do five years ago, and everything you're going to try and do in five years from now is still probably going to work. Well, I think, I mean, to to a degree, there's like, there's the idea of like Laravel and Symfony, which are like, they go faster and slower over over time, depending on like the the creators at like that particular year. But that's even much faster than most of the PHP e- ecosystem. Like, um, like Laravel's moving much faster than most of the PHP ecosystem. And even that's slow when you compare it to a lot of the the JavaScript ecosystem. Well, I mean, if you look at like WordPress this week, you know, I mean, they just announced that they're going to bump their minimum version up to five six, and next year seven I mean, that's you know, for the largest user base of PHP, you know, I mean, they're that's that's like a snail space, you know. Right. I mean, for reference, for anyone who you know may or may not know, seven was deprecated a week ago, <laughs> and five dot six. Uh, I mean, not even deprecated. Uh, 7.0 lost security support a week ago. 5.6 loses security support in 20-something days? Wow. <laughs> December, December 31st. You know, you know so and, like, like Ryan just said, you know, like, while Laravel and Symphony are moving much faster, you know, I mean, it's still not as fast as, like, the word or uh, the JavaScript world. Right. Whether it be Magento or, or WordPress, like, Moving a lot slower. 
but so I mean, I guess I guess that's the thing. Like it, because it's not constantly coming up with new and shiny things for people to play with, is that a detriment to the language in terms of people attracting newer users to the language? So I, I mainly see it as a advantage. Um, I, I don't. If PHP was moving fast like that, I don't know if that would have stayed as long as I had. Right? Because mm -hmm. one great thing about PHP is I've used a lot of other languages, but it's like it's still a stable skill that you can come back to, and it's still pretty much the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas in like five years, if you were an ES five JavaScript dev, right, you're not going to be able to come back and still be the same thing. You're going to have to relearn most of the core concepts down to how to define a function, right? In PHP, you don't have that. You know, you run PHP four. Most of it still pretty much works. Yeah. You're like, what's this weird type hint stuff? But other than that, it's all pretty similar. Yeah, I think I think the idea is like, and this is more like this is from a a JavaScript perspective. Um, my experience with Java or Ruby or uh, like um, Python two to Python three, we could probably just crap all over that for the whole night if we wanted to. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> But um, like in JavaScript, I it's weird because the community is like you talk about the backwards compatibility and things like not working. I mean, there's there's stuff that is hot, like for instance, like CoffeeScript was the hot thing for a long time, like like closer to when I was starting JavaScript, and like CoffeeScript support is still there, but for the pr pretty much like it's not going to get you very far right now. But like if you're an ES5 dev, all of that still works. But like if you try to go to get a job and like show them ES5 code, they're gonna be like, oh, this is gross. And especially like now there are developers that have been growing up in like ES2015 land that are now in hiring roles, which is kind of terrifying. That's so weird. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it shouldn't be terrifying. It's it it's like the natural progression of things, but like they see ES they might see it as five code and never have actually dealt with earlier code or like had have dealt with that style of code and just be like, Oh, this is gross. Like you've got globals, you're using window, you're like adding native event listeners to everything. You're like not using a framework. You're not using classes. Like, what are you doing? Like, um, so I think that the mentality isn't necessarily that it's not backwards compatible as much as, the mindset of the community isn't embracing to backwards compatibility is like very much like if you're not doing the new hot thing, um, like that's at least the, in the like open source kind of active part of JavaScript. It's like, if you're not doing the right thing, then like, ooh, kind of gross. Like, yeah. why haven't you been learning new stuff? Which I think is fine is, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't want to hate on it because I do kind of like that part about JavaScript. Right. right? It's nice to have that always on the cutting edge thing but um it does feel like it's going to be a detriment at some point right because it's really like you can't take six months off and then come back to it without right. reinvesting some time which is you know kind of sucks yeah uh, so on php and boot camps um mm -hmm. do y'all know any boot camps that are teaching php because in my experience mo like some of them are doing javascript but the most of the ones i've seen at least in new york would be which seems kind of weird to me like Maybe it's because of the circles I run in, but like Ruby seems like it was pretty popular five years ago, ten years ago. But it doesn't seem like it's like the most popular language anymore for web development. Yeah, from my experience, um, it's it's mostly been either um, JavaScript 
Um, Ruby was Ruby was very popular. I think some of them are like pulling back on that. There's some schools like Flatiron where they have years and years of curriculum in there, and they still have demand of like some of the New York startups and some of the San Francisco startups that are still in the Ruby ecosystem. Um, but like, I feel I feel that most boot camps that I talk about are um, really hard on JavaScript, whether that be Node, front end. Most of them being more front end heavy, and I'll maybe talk about some of the reasons why I see that. Um, and then like there might be local demand. So there might be some local demand of like a C-sharp place. Like I know that at Iron Yard, we were talking about maybe doing a .NET class. Um, so we had a front-end class, which was JavaScript, and a back-end class, which um, the first cohort was Ruby. And then we switched over to Java after that because of a lot of the healthcare and enterprise in our area was Java-based. So we had like pretty easy time with students getting them positions in uh, a Java jobs. But, um, and we, in like, particularly we talked about adding a PHP course. And the reason that we mostly didn't was for us was talent actually, um, was getting, uh, profess like instructors, um, in kind of our talent pool and in kind of our talent base to create a curriculum that was, that was PHP based. Um, so we had some markets. Nashville was actually one of them where we said we might want to do a PHP Laravel, um, set up. But most of the bootcamps I'm talking to have been more into pretty much JavaScript, C sharp, and maybe some hanging around Ruby and some Java apparent like in certain markets. Interesting. What are you seeing most picky in the online space? Yeah, I'm not um familiar with a whole lot of boot camps, so I'm not really sure about that. I was listening to what Ryan was saying. Um so I haven't really done a whole lot of research. Sorry. <laughs> what about online in particular? Are you seeing? Um, do you see much PHP resources there? Or do you see a lot of resources devoted elsewhere? Um, within you mean within the teaching within our library or? Well, uh, yeah, yours or maybe not just yours and, and others. Online yeah. learning libraries in general. Yeah, I think there is there is quite a bit. Um, you know, in in so there's like a lot of different. Uh, you know, companies that do kind of what we do, Udemy, um, you know, Pluralsight. And, and each one of them, I think, definitely has a pretty substantial amount of PHP courses available. So I think it's out there. Um, it's just trying to get people to them. How do we, how do we get people um, to, to know that they're there and then to engage in the course? You know, what is, you know, how do we drive the, the market? And that's been our problem is trying to figure out how to how to make people aware of it and how to get people to to you know start watching the courses. We do get a, a good amount of people watching the PHP courses though in our library. So is is like your is the PHP stuff that y'all are teaching? Or is it just general language fundamentals, or are y'all doing like a testing course or frame any kind of frameworks or anything like that? Or is it just gotcha. kind of yeah yeah? That's a great question. Um, we actually have. I was just looking earlier, I don't know, maybe like 30 different courses. So um, the, the big hitters are our learning PHP, which would be like your introductory one. And then the PHP es uh, essential training, that would be a, a much more comprehensive course. But there's a lot of like little courses. So there's, you know, AT API testing and validation. So let me see. Some of the ones that are really doing well, installing Apache, MySQL, and PHP. So like the installation course is, does pretty well. We have uh, PHP tips, tricks, and techniques that's doing pretty good. 
um, PHP object oriented design. So there is a lot of different, those are the, those are kind of like the ones that are most popular right now. Let me see what's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah I'm, I'm looking at it now. Like I see some symphony stuff. Um, I see composer. Mm -hmm. Apparently mm -hmm. someone still thinks simple XML is a thing. That That's cute. I know. <laughs> There's one about pear. Oh, hey, is there one for PXL? I don't see it. I don't oh. think so. I don't remember that. Oh, man. PSX? It's like the G it's JSX and PHP back when Facebook <laughs> did that and maintained their own work of PHP for a while. <sighs> Here's Chris Hartchess's talking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, looking... I, I was scrolling Very through... Nutter. I was scrolling through like the top... 15 just overall courses on like Udemy and I was like uh, I think I went through like the top 15 or the top 24 like one of two of them one of them was like PHP for beginners one of them said um, like learn complete web developer and that had like a section on PHP and then almost all of them like of the top 24 there was one Ruby one one ASP and everything else was either JavaScript or a JavaScript framework or or like web design. So I think that there is like a student bias, which I don't know if we're like wanting to maybe move into something of that because I could talk about that for a, a while as well. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with new students. Do you say the the students themselves have a bias? Yeah, so with with new students, so this is something that we noticed in boot camps, which is probably pretty different than Peggy like your your students, at least like my experience with like Linda has been mostly like you have an existing job or you have an existing need. So I need to go learn this resource, uh, which I know like Linda's Linda and now LinkedIn learning has put in a lot of resources of trying to make it accessible for new learners as well. Um, but like I know for like beginning developers for getting started, <laughs> there is kind of this sexy, not kind of, there's a sexiness of web development like web ui development and web interaction development um where we found it connected with students really well for that first hour to two hours um and they may and a lot of people were front-end heavy so almost at all of the at all of the um locations of iron yard the front-end class almost always was bigger than the back-end class and usually that was because in their first interactions with development, it was very easy to understand. It was very easy to get results out of a front end, like mm -hmm. a JS-based, browser-based sure. thing, because you can interact with it, you can click with it, you can play with it. Whereas in a backend language, especially something like PHP or maybe Ruby, um, where you have less UI output, it's just like text on the page, you have a higher barrier before you start getting into kind of interesting stuff of dynamic data or whatever. Right, right. Um, so it was hard, like, even when we were building night class, like introduction, two hour, three hour learning experiences, it was really tricky to make something for the back end classes that matched what we could do in the front end in like 30 minutes. Yeah. Because you have to get your environment set up. You have to build all this, all this stuff and you have less output configurations without having to bring in a bunch of magic or bring in um, like entire frameworks to do basic UI. That makes sense. There's a whole lot of like yeah. base yeah. foundational knowledge and setup and mm -hmm. before you ever see anything 
right? So, I mean, I guess you could do an API, but then right. you, you don't really care, right? Like, what's an API? <laughs> what's yeah. Right. So, like, yeah, if you're exactly. not interested in, like, data or data science, that might just be boring that it's just, like, outputting JSON or just outputting, like, plain, unstyled text on the page. Right. Um, which for, for developers might be, like, a huge idea of, like, being able to kind of munge this data and put it into a new state. Like, that's really cool and really awesome and something you may not have done before, but if you're just coming to it from the first time and um, and you're like, oh, you know, how does this come even close to what I have to interact with every day? It's a big difference. Yeah, I mean, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Because um, I know, like, when I was getting started, like, front end was so much more cool because I could, like, see the color change and be like, oh, hey, you know, that, that works. You know, but then, like, when you start building an API, you're like, well, I'm, I'm looking at, like, horrible monospace type on a page, I'm just like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So I think there is like a, almost like a missing connection, you know, because like I, f- I feel like everyone associates PHP to like really old websites with crappy CSS, you know, table layouts and that kind of stuff. You know, they don't realize that you can write really great front ends and pair it with, you know, really powerful PHP backend. But so, so I mean... Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, you know, like, so... Yeah, I mean, like based on what you all have seen, what like what what could we do to convince boot camps or you know students looking for like an online resource that PHP is a viable option for them in the face of you know all the other offerings out there in a JavaScript and everything else? Yeah, um, for for self learners, I definitely think like self learners or mentors or people that are coming to you directly. Um, I think while it's not necessarily meshing exactly with like a lot of developers that might be in a mentoring role are like Symfony or Laravel devs where it's all class-based and like your templates are only in template files. But I think kind of going back to what brought me to PHP and what I think makes PHP really easy and accessible is to some extent embracing that like PHP is HTML plus code. And showing that at first and using that as the diving off period. I know when I was doing JavaScript, like I would show the console, which is completely accessible and completely like just it's right there. Um, and saying like, okay, type some HTML. Let's just be very additive to this to where you can get results really quickly. Um, I think is really good for like the introductory learner. Um, and as far as like boot camps, um, one of the big things that boot camps listen to are recruiters and open job positions. So a lot of open jobs positions are showing you need to know HTML, CSS, some JavaScript. Oh, and by the way, a little bit of PHP. Um, if you flip some of that script for a lot of these agency positions, for a lot of these like introductory positions, and say like, hey, PHP is like our mainstay, or here's like PHP is a big part of this role. It's not the like, okay, on the job listing of 10 requirements you can like not have two of them and two and one of those two is php like flip the script on that flip it so that like knowing react is the um is the thing that you may not know instead of like php being the thing that you don't know um and really like having recruiters say that because i know recruiters i would go talk to recruiters and they would be like you need to know react js and node and mongo and i'd go talk to the hiring manager and they're like Oh no, we're uh, we're like on Java and all plain HTML, like 
plain HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. There's no React. There's no Mongo. We're completely SQL. Like having those recruiters actually saying stuff instead of just the buzzwords that they hear and like the buzzwords they have on a lot of their job applications um, can help that. And I think PHP mentors going to these boot camps and saying like, hey, there's PHP jobs and not just like PHP plus some front end. It's like PHP as the thing that you're doing every day. Um, okay, so with that, let's say we get, I guess companies do the better thing, right? So the companies need to go to the recruiters, the recruiters need to go to the conference or the boot camps, right? So other than posting jobs, we're talking to recruiters, is there a way as a company you can help uh, facilitate that? Or is it really just reaching out and trying to advocate for it? Yeah, so a lot of these boot camps have advisory boards or have um, like a job placement service. Um, and if you're listening to this for some reason and looking at boot camps and like deciding on boot camps, find ones that do have advisory boards and job placement services that have like good results. Um, so talking to like talking directly, trying to get onto those advisory boards and going to those meetings um, can help. Going to a lot of these boot camps will have events. So they'll have, um, whether it be student presentation events or get to know this, um, this campus, get to know this code school events, um, and being able to like show up and be like, Hey, I'm looking to hire 10 devs or whatever, or five devs or even just one. And like, um, showing up there and letting it be known that you're in the community that you're there, that you're mentoring, you're looking for junior devs and you're looking for junior devs that aren't just like can do a little bit of WordPress. So most of what they need to know is HTML and CSS. It's like, hey, they need to know PHP as PHP, not just like embellishing some HTML. Okay, cool. And what about for your side, Peggy? Are you all actively looking to add PHP courses or kind of how do you decide where to put the focus? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, kind of like uh, Ryan was saying too, um, it's it's always hard to get through the weeds on, you know, what the recruiter says, what the company actually needs. Um, you know, we do have, like our in, in my case, our salespeople are usually the ones that are telling us they want, Leo. You know, hey, they want React, they want this, they want that. And so, you know, I think... Um, you know, one of the things would be is that uh, to educate the sales uh, team, our sales team, that, you know, um, you have to dig deeper and, and try and find out, you know, if the company really is looking for that or if they really do need more PHP developers. So um, it's interesting to hear you guys talk. And, and it might even be something where we need to change some of our search engines to say like, okay, if someone is searching for this, don't uh, for react, don't just return react, but also kind of put PHP in the mix as well. Um, so we're always listening to companies. We get a lot of requests from, from enterprise customers saying like, if you had more in depth, it seems like they want a lot of advanced content. A lot of times um, they'd say like, okay, if you have advanced PHP, that'd be great. If you had advanced Java, that'd be great. But um so sometimes they look at what we have and they think it's only too beginner. So that's another thing that we're looking for. So I think we cover pretty well the beginner and the essential training, but a lot of times we don't have, um, you know, I think like Matt was saying earlier about, you know, APIs. So, you know, what, what are our courses that really address APIs? And um, so, you know, I think that going, digging a little deeper would be good for us as well. Does that make sense? I feel like yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so both of you, 
And so people go through your courses or they go through the boot camp. Um, and then the next step is job placement. Are you, do you have ways to facilitate that? Do you have recommendations for either both for boot camps and for a boot camp attendee, right? So like, yeah. let's say either I'm in a boot camp now, what should I focus on to get my job? Mm-hmm. Or if I'm looking at boot camps, what should I look for? And the same thing for courses, right? If I'm going through mm-hmm. online training, um, what should I be looking for? Whether that's certain buzzwordy things or certain uh, facilitations they have, like the board you talked about, Ryan, things like yeah. that. Yeah, I guess on our end, um, you know, I think, uh, Matt, you had asked earlier about the certification. So, uh, of course, we're intimately tied with LinkedIn. So, if you do finish a learning path, your certification goes on your profile. So, un- unfortunately, we don't really advocate for um, job placement, but I mean, part of LinkedIn is the whole networking and the whole um, recruiters use it. So it it's kind of behind the scenes is facilitating it, but it's we're not um, giving anybody a, a leg up, you know, other than putting information on their profile. So, um, but that's it. It's an interesting, you know, kind of idea. And I want to hear what Ryan has to say about the boot camps and how you guys yeah. work with that. That's cool. Yeah, from an from an online learning stuff because now now since I'm not actively teaching at a boot camp, I'm also like advising people that want to go online learn, and I don't have full time to be mentoring or teaching or have content on my own right now um, to be guiding someone from nothing to uh, a junior dev. But um, making sure that like if you're doing online stuff, is looking at certification that like certification or completion stuff that people actually will notice or comes from someone reputable. So like LinkedIn learning is someone that like is known and Linda is a, no, a, a known entity in, you know, the area for a long time. Team Treehouse is someone that's known and people are fairly familiar with what that content is. If you go to Udemy, while Udemy is very widely known, the course that you take for like $10 right now could be a great course and could be like really well known or could be, um, let's just say not so well known. Um, so making sure that like what the accreditation that you get is known. And this also goes to, to code schools is um, do a little bit of do what research you can to your area um, and know what accreditation can be given. So in here in Tennessee, for instance, like we can, there was limitations on like what we could uh, guarantee and what we could credit and accredit and like and say that we did versus not. So like we couldn't say that we were accredited or give someone um, a credit. We could give them a certificate of completion, um, but that's as far as the legal state of Tennessee without being a college or university would let us do. Um, as far as looking at boot camps, like make sure like what do you get on the back end. Um, what are the requirements looking at what the professors who the professors are what their backgrounds are and what their um kind of what their commitments are so for instance with i'll talk about kind of one of the reasons i was at the iron yard was that i had one class and i was with that one class all day and i even had a ta when we were at a certain size um so you got a lot of face-to-face time with myself now, if you didn't get along with the instructor, that really sucked. So um, if you can meet the instructor before going to a, co- a code school, the better. Um, because I will say not everyone gets along with their instructor. And that's something that you have to deal with. And that's unfortunately a dynamic that 
uh, is just, it's kind of there with the bias. But um, if your instructor has to teach three or four other classes, that's going to severely limit the attention that they can give to you, the attention that they can do to adjusting the class to where individual students are at. So if someone's not getting a topic and they've got four classes, they might not realize that because they haven't looked at homework assignments or they haven't been in lab to talk to people to see what they're struggling with. Um, and then in terms of job placement, like I said, looking to see, do they have an advisory board? Who's on that advisory board? Um, what's their job placement rates? This is another tricky one, especially with legality. Um, in a lot of states, you can't say what your job placement rates are. Um, you can say like how many people are placed. You may not be able to say how many students you had. Like so in Tennessee, why is that? Why wouldn't you be able to? Um, a lot of that is based on uh, like the legal, like post secondary, um, like board for the state. Like in Tennessee, we weren't allowed to say completion rates in percentages or um, placement rates in jobs unless it was certified by a third party um, source. I will also say that a lot of these restrictions are very technical and not very well known. And there are a lot of code schools in different regions that do not follow these. Some of them have no longer exist because of being caught. Um, but uh, there are there are definitely things even today that are said that are legally not allowed to be said. Um, gotcha. So on that topic, if it doesn't get you in some kind of trouble, do you yeah do you have an, a feeling for in general what a job placement rate might be for a boot camp? It severely depends on boot camp to boot camp. Um, so for me, I can say that I had, and I can say exact exact numbers. I can oh, not okay. say I, and if you want to percentage that. On your own, okay. You're, so you can say like, but I, I could say students and ninety of them passed or whatever. Right, I could say that of the, I think it was over sixty-five students that I had, only only four of them did not complete, and of those that completed, only five of them did not get jobs. Nice. Okay, that's so, actually like a really good success rate. Yeah, our su our yeah. success rate was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, another topic we we kind of discuss in mm -hmm. the um, <clears throat> the before we started taping slash after we started drinking was conferences. And so one thing I want to ask Peggy, you know, you mentioned trying to get the word out to uh, people that, you know, you're always teaching PHP uh, with conference season about to start up again. You know, is there plans for LinkedIn to maybe make it out to some conferences and kind of show off as like a, a tool that um, jobs and uh, lead developers can kind of utilize for uh, bringing on junior developers who may or may not know PHP. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. That's why I was asking about uh, what conferences you guys have, uh, or what I'm sorry, what conferences you guys recommend. Um, and so LinkedIn is a is just it's so huge that a lot of times there's a LinkedIn presence and I don't know about it. So um, we do, but it's usually more on the end of um, you know we want you to know about LinkedIn Sales Navigator or Recruiter. Um, so, but I think there's some opportunities for us to really start to go to some of these conferences and um, do some speaking engagements or maybe even um, we do have some regular PHP authors that if they're going to be at a conference, it would be great for them to for us to like support them in that role um so at, at this point i didn't i took over for php just last year so um i don't have anything lined up but i'm going to be looking into it now based on what you guys said earlier so i, I definitely think the sunshine um is that what it was the sunshine uh conference 
PHP. Yeah. Like that definitely. And the Midwest one that you're a keynote, unfortunately I have a conflict with that, but um, if I can get, yeah, I'd be happy to send you some LinkedIn swag. If you want to hand it out, <laughs> you can let me know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, mean I, I will be there. I have plenty of other stickers to give out. So if you want to, cool. I mean, if I you want to coordinate with that, I'm absolutely cool. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Watch out. Matt's going to sell that shit. Totally. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> one figure for one beer, please. I'm gonna say Matt, and he's just gonna be linked in from head to toe. <laughs> um, but we do actually a lot of times at conferences we will be able to offer um sort of cards, like little coupon cards, like so you can get a course for free. So if it's a PHP conference, we can unlock some of our PHP courses and hand them out to people so that they can get a chance to at least look at them. So that that's a nice thing that we do. Um so I definitely will be looking into this year doing more of that. So, Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, you know, there's so many different types of sponsors out there, but one you don't really get to see a lot of at conferences is like the educational platforms, you know, like, yeah. which, which always kind of bothers me. Um, I don't know if they like Treehouse. I'd love to see them sponsor a PHP conferences. There's so much PHP content, but they're mm -hmm. never, never really there, even though it's like, you know, you know, not, not every person at a conference is a senior developer. You know, some of right. some people are junior developers and all that stuff. You know, it's 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 useful to have representation there. Yeah, I actually say is probably less seniors than juniors and mids in my experience because companies are a little more likely to send younger developers out to a conference. Yeah. And everyone knows that senior developers are at the bar anyway. So I mean. <laughs> Yeah, Ben, I agree. I, that's what I've seen a lot too. Is you know a lot of uh, you know younger just trying to, especially when something new's coming out, they want to get them out there learning it. So yeah, cool. Yeah, um, and so you know, um, you're mentioning like skills and frameworks and things like that. Um, you know, do you see a certain type of? Do you all take like requests, or do you kind of just play it by ear when you're trying to develop these kind of courses and contents? Um, yeah. So. Number one would be looking. So we have uh, search tools that we use so it, we can look and see what are people searching for. Um, but uh, sorry, I got distracted by something that somebody wrote. Uh, but also um, our subject matter experts are the ones that I rely on because, you know, I, I have all programming languages. So obviously I don't know well, what's most important to teach for each one. So a lot of times I'll ask my subject matter experts to make recommendations on, you know, what, what are we missing in our library? So, um, definitely take requests. I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a really big thing. You know, we have our standard core courses, but I like to also hear what other people think are important that need to be in the library. So is there a way for, uh, like, one of us or someone else who might want to use us to like make a recommendation like like can we just yell on twitter or <laughs> i don't know if you yell on twitter nobody nah, might hear you, you. <laughs> yeah it's like an empty uh, yeah. <laughs> <all> he does. <laughs> um there is some feedback uh you know there is like uh feedback forms i think on the courses but that's a great question um we did start to offer a q a but i don't know that that would get mm. to the right person um you know matt I'm not sure. Let me let me um let me get back to you on that because I think that's a really good question. Cool. Uh, yeah, I will uh, try and I'll I'll get back to the to the group here and let you guys know. Cool. Awesome. So, um, was there anything else that um you think is important in like either the the online space or the boot camp space that we may not have talked about that um you think people need to, to hear from your experience that you're seeing that we may have missed. 
Yeah. So, so one thing is like, if you are, and this doesn't go just to bootcamp grads, but to like anyone who's looking for their first job, um, something that like of the students that worked versus of the students that either took a long time or never got, um, a job out of school was like making sure you are, um, like working on some new stuff. I know that you may have to take a part-time job. You may have to take a full-time job. Um, after like during your job search or whatever but like if i go to github and you have nothing new or you've only worked on your final project in the last six months like that's a big red flag if you've not done anything that looks uh different than what you worked on in your classes like that that stands out if your portfolio is out of date that stands out um if you're not applying to jobs like apply to uh, i know that it can be it can be demanding but like if you saw the recruiter spam that probably most of us in this call got, like it is so copy paste crap. Like send that right back. Like it, like go to 10 job posts and like, let's say that there's one that really interests you and you spend a good amount of time, like working on that cover letter and working on that, that resume to make sure it's like done for them. I know I had a student that went and color coded every resume that he sent for companies that he was interested in. Um, but to a lot of jobs, you can just almost spam post out your stuff. And if it's copyright, like copywritten, go to a meetup and say, Hey, can you look at my resume? Can you look at my cover letter? Get those, get those polished, get those nice and send it out, send it out, send it out. And you'll, you'll, you will get a job. Like if you send it just constantly out, you will get a job. If it's quality, you, you'll do it. Um, if you sit there and then like only apply to the thing that's like, the cool startup in town and you're in a small town like you're or even a even a decent sized tech town like Nashville if you only apply to the event brights you only apply apply to campaign monitor you only apply to like the stuff that really really interests you and it's like what everyone is applying to trust me then you're probably not going to get that job unless you are the top 1% of the people graduating and people who probably lost their first job the content company. so i'll just add real quick Update your LinkedIn profile. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but one of the things you can do is to ask other people to write you recommendations as well. Um, you know, so that's really important. You can ask somebody, say like, "Hey, can you can you write a recommendation for me?" And Ryan, I, I wholeheartedly agree that you know put yourself out there. Um, you know, that's how I've got to where I'm at today by always taking risks. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like I said earlier uh, before or during the call that I'm writing a book. I just put myself out there. Someone, I got a I got probably one of those spam emails that says, hey, do you want to write a book from Manning? I'm like, sure, I'll write a book. <laughs> you know? What do I know about writing a book? Nothing. Um, but it's going great and I'm having fun. So definitely keep trying. Keep putting yourself out there. Keep learning. Lifelong learners. Gotta love it. So I just wanted to make sure I got that LinkedIn plug in. <laughs> no, definitely update your LinkedIn. I know I've had people contact me in NashDev and in our local communities or on Twitter and be like, Hey, can you look at my stuff? And I'm like, where's your LinkedIn? And they're like, oh, oh, I should have one of those. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And that's literally like the first thing I checked. They're like, here's my resume. And I'm like, why isn't your resume just print to PDF on LinkedIn? It's now like right. really baked in. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's easy stuff. <laughs> my LinkedIn's a, a graveyard of. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to find you. I can't find you. Yeah, I was trying to write your bio for the new website, and I was like, "Wow, this is like really old." We're just going to roll with it, I guess, Matt. Yeah. Well, I'm on there. I just don't ever 
use it. Are you the director of corporate compliance at Remington Arms Company? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> well, I can't find you. Uh, uh, let me a connect request. Peggy uh, Fisher. Yeah. I'll, right. put in, I'll put it in the little group chat. Oh, that'd be it's great. definitely not up to date. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I got both uh, Ben and Ryan. I think I got you guys. I sent you already connect messages. So. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, one thing I want to throw in too on job Thank search you. and all that. Uh, it's not boot camp specific. Yeah. But definitely any way you can, you can network, and that might sound like a slimy word to a lot of people, but any way you can make like personal relationships, personal contact with people. It's going to be much better. Um, mm -hmm. I think all the like one job I've ever gotten, and most of the people I've hired over the years have been through some type of personal connection. Like not necessarily that I knew them, but that they reached out to me personally, right? So maybe it would be I spoke to someone at a meetup, or I spoke to someone at a conference, or they just sent me a Twitter message. I get I get these pretty often. Doesn't offend me at all. Hey, uh, I saw you on Twitter. I followed you for a while. I enjoy your stuff. Just check and see if maybe you're hiring. Here's my info. Here's my LinkedIn link, right? Whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that. Like a, a personal direct message like that actually makes someone kind of take the time to look at you. Whereas if you're just another pile in 100 resumes, you might not get the same attention you would need to get considered. Um, so don't be spammy about it. Don't, you know, send a hundred resumes and then also message someone on their email and their Twitter in any way you can contact them. Like, pick something. But do put yourself out there. Like yeah. Cool. Well, I think we covered everything. So uh, thank you both for uh, joining us on this extremely cold night here in Nashville. Um, where can people find y'all online? If you are online, Twitter, anything like that. LinkedIn, apparently. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn um, and on Twitter. I think it's uh, Peggy Fisher one forty five. Um, so feel free to reach out. Yeah, for me, you can find me on LinkedIn. But please, if you do the like, add a message and just add a message that says like PHP Town Hall or something. Um, I actually look at everything in LinkedIn. I le usually leave it in my email, but um, most of it, like I said, is just a recruiter saying like, "I've got a job for you in Knoxville." <laughs> when my LinkedIn profile literally says like, I don't want to move. Um, but uh, more likely you'll see me on Twitter um, at Ryan Tablada. So that's uh, T-A-B-L-A-D-A. -A. Um, but you probably want to just follow my dog who's Emperor Puppetine on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And I'll do a plug. Uh, if you're wanting to learn something, unfortunately not PHP right now, uh, but uh, Embercast's Com. We're running a 50% a off sale to learn uh, Ember plus JSON API and either like Elixir plus Phoenix, Rails, and Ruby, um, C Sharp and uh, .NET Core or um, Node and Koa. So check that out if you're interested. Cool. Awesome. All right. Anyone want to sign us out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, take care. We'll catch you next time.